This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Have you started decorating for Christmas around the Jim Kelly household? No, I'll probably wait till December 20th. I don't really get, get things going too early. I want to put our tree up. You know, last year I, I um, got a great deal on a 12-foot Christmas tree with lights built in. I got all the decorations. Like, this thing is amazing. And I got it like 70% off. And I basically just want to display it because you know how much I love a deal, right? Sure. <laughs> you don't care about how tall it is, just how no, much money you I save. Just, I just want to be able to tell people who come over, guess what I paid for that tree? <laughs> No, lower, lower. Um, my big concern, though, is Amelia, our one-year-old, is a maniac, and she's running all over, getting into everything, and I don't want her to pull a 12-foot Christmas tree over onto Ooh, herself. 12-footer. Yeah. Yikes. Where's the baby? <laughs> I could see her climbing it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a stuck in there. Very active child. Hmm. But uh, they have started decorating in Cincinnati. Look at that. That's nice and shiny. Jim has just posted a picture on the Taz and Jim Facebook page of this Cincinnati Christmas tree, and Charlie Brown would be proud. Oh, boy. This is the Macy's Christmas tree. 60-foot-tall Norway spruce Taz. Wow. You know this is a big deal. They I hauled it all the 12, way in. I got a 12-foot fake tree was pretty neat. <laughs> This thing is sixty foot, sixty five feet tall. They, you know, set it up on Friday. They got all the stands all ready, and on Saturday it was the great big unveiling. And when they cut the ropes off from the tree branches and let it hang naturally, people realized it was the worst tree ever. <laughs> it is being called the pathetic Cincinnati Christmas tree on most uh, news outlets. And being called the ultimate symbol of 2020 because it is so god awful. So it looked good when they had it all all bundled up. But yeah, look at it. You can see right through the thing. Yeah, it's a little sparse. And like, it's early. It's still November. And you know, sometimes when you buy the Christmas tree late, like mid-December, and it's been sitting out in front of the, the Superstore for like a month and a half, all the needles are gone when you bring it home. Yeah, this yeah. is early, but it looks like it's like a half-dead tree. Yeah, they really got to get some tinsel on that thing. Like there's... <laughs> Yeah, fill in, fill in the, the bald spots with some tinsel. Yeah, it's like when your dad's like, oh, just wait, give it a day or two, and the, it'll unfold a little bit, and then, <laughs> no, there's no saving this thing. It is, like, the one half, near like, 50, they're, like, halfway up the top. Oh, it looks bad. It looks, it <laughs> is looking at different angles here. It looks, yeah, it looks really bad. So what do you, do you own it, and do you leave it up, and then be like, yeah, this is the novelty, it's a terrible tree, let's... Let's decorate it. Do you take it down and replace it? Well, we wouldn't be talking about the Cincinnati Christmas tree if it was a beautiful, nice tree. That's true. So you're getting more publicity out of this this dud than you would something that was average or great. Very true. I say you own it. Embrace it. Um, yeah, you really Just should. like you have the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Embarrassing, but people still show up. Yeah, people want to see the train wreck. Want to see what happens? <laughs> Another great Masters golf tournament over the weekend. The big winner, Dustin Johnson. Joining us here is Alan McLean, former Canadian Tour winner and world class ball striker. Good morning, Alan. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Taz. How are you? Good. Did you get a lot of screen time in over the weekend? 
I sure did. I sure did. It was. Uh, I think uh, some one of the commentators said that it was Christmas in November. Yeah, if you're a golf fan, it was great to be able to to sit back and and watch some uh, some great golf and some not so great golf. Did you hear Dave from Simcoe's theory about Tiger Woods getting a ten on a par three yesterday? He thinks that somebody paid him off to throw the Masters. Yeah, I I don't know about that, Dave. Um, yeah, I think the man has enough money and more pride than uh, than a lot of the rest of the world, and I just don't know about that theory. But it's a good one. Maybe it was Wayne Gretzky who paid him off. <laughs> Maybe I don't think Wayne has enough money though. <laughs> Yeah, Dustin Johnson was the big winner, and I was watching the Masters with some buddies, and when Paulina Gretzky congratulated her husband, gave him a big kiss, uh, my buddy's like, who is that? I'm like, it's Paulina Gretzky. That's Wayne Gretzky's daughter. It's, it's his wife. And he's like, oh, so that guy knows Wayne Gretzky? it's his father-in-law you knucklehead. Actually, you know, I, I was surprised. I, I don't think they actually married it. I, I was I, I kept reading that it was his fiance. I know they got some uh, kids together, but I don't think they're married yet. Really? He's still waiting yeah. to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, she was waiting to... Listen, if you win a green jacket, I'll marry you. <laughs> <laughs> he did it yesterday. Dustin Johnson, see, I think of him as this young kid, but like he's starting to be one of the older guys on the tour, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he's in his mid-30s. Uh, I, I must admit, though, uh, I preferred her green jacket to the one that uh, Dustin put on. <laughs> she was wearing a very uh, fashionable uh, Adidas top there. I must get my hands on that myself. It was stylish. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, the, the Google searches for Dustin Johnson's wife on went crazy yesterday. People want to know. In Canada, we know who she is because, yeah, Wayne Gretzky's her dad. But uh, all over the world, people were like, who is that? Hello, Dustin Johnson's wife. Yeah, he's a lucky man. Not only does he don the green jacket, he gets to kiss that uh, every, every day. It's, uh, life ain't bad. Yeah, his his brother is his caddy, too. People were wondering why his caddy was getting so emotional out there just before he, he finished the 18th hole and won the tournament. But that's his younger brother, Austin, and it was pretty cool to see the emotion from his brother as Dustin was about to win it all. Yeah, you know what? I, I think uh, any time uh, you've gone through the adversity that he's been through, you know, uh, I think most people are aware of the fact that he got penalized those two shots many years ago when he had, in fact, won the PGA, uh, and he got that silly ruling in the bunker. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, it's hard to argue that there's a more deserving golfer right now than Dustin Johnson. Uh, he's playing the best golf. He's world number one. Um, man, the, the guy played well this week. He deserved to win. Okay. And, uh, I know you got emotional afterwards. It was nice to see. Let's get to Tiger and his 10. What do you think was going through Tiger's head on that par three, the, the 12th hole? He just, he played like Jim and I play. <laughs> well, I think he would have beaten him on that hole, uh, gents. Uh, I don't know. I think he was just trying to make the best score possible. I think had he been leading the tournament, uh, I think his uh, second shot, after he, he dunked the first one, he would have uh, uh, pitched to the left of the hole and made sure that he was going to have a, a putt for four, possibly worse, uh, a five. But I think uh, yesterday he was trying to trying to guarantee himself a four, and uh, to do what he did was just 
I don't know. I don't know the right word for that. Uh, it was crazy. Crazy to see. <laughs> it was. But we mentioned earlier, it was his first ever 10 as a pro, and he's played 23,789 holes. <laughs> so it still, is, his record's pretty good. Uh, yeah, 10, a 10 on a par 3, though, that is something special. I, you know, unfortunately, I think people are going to be talking about that for years and years and years to come. Never mind the the, the 82 tournament wins. They'll always remember the, the, the 10 at the Masters. Let's talk the pride of Listowel, Corey Connors. He he had a pretty good Masters. Fantastic. You know, for someone that was his... Uh, I'm not sure whether he was a rookie this week, but I think he finished top 10. I know in the betting going into the week, he was one of those uh, those surprise dark horses. So uh, he lived up to that. Um, you know, uh, 10th place, he gets to go back next week, uh, next year. Uh, that was nice. And uh, it's nice to have a Canadian up in the mix. Well, congratulations again to Dustin Johnson. Finishing an incredible 20 shots under par. That's a new Masters record by two shots. You think that's going to hold up for a while, Alan? Uh, let's uh, let's talk weather in uh, in in April, and I also think that uh, the powers that be at the Masters aren't too happy with the twenty under par. So there <laughs> might be a few changes coming with a few firmer greens. So I I think it'll be around for a while. Yeah, they're going to put the the whole placements are going to be a little more difficult in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Alan McLean, thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. And we just got a text message that says, Taz and Jim, did you guys hear about the gong show of a Santa Claus parade in London, Ontario over the weekend? Uh, yes, I did. I knew what was supposed to happen. I didn't hear what did happen. They, if, if you're not in London, um, they changed things up because of COVID. Obviously, you can't have the traditional parade with people lining the streets. And watching the floats go by. So they got creative and they decided what they were going to do is at the London International Airport, they were going to have all of the floats and attractions that would have been in the parade. They're going to have them stationary on the runway. And then you, in your car, the safety of your vehicle, you drive past the floats. It's like a reverse parade. Yeah, it's like uh, Freaky Friday. (laughs) Of parades, right? It's the old switcheroo. So the floats are stationary. You drive by. The kids get to wave. Santa comes in on a helicopter. Good times had by all. Well, apparently a bunch of people didn't get the opportunity to drive by because traffic was so bad. It was backed up for kilometers. Oh. To the point where I know my sisters uh, tried to go to the parade, and they got turned around. There was a cop, and he said... uh, you know what? Take your minivan and turn it around right now because there's no way you're going to be able to see the parade before it finishes at four. Oh, no. So it was just the, the line wasn't manicured enough or, it was, or too many people showed up? Yeah, it was too big. It was too successful. And people are angry about it. People are complaining online because that's what the internet's for. Hmm. But they were trying to do something nice. It was this or no parade. So you can't complain. They had no uh, way to gauge how many cars were going to show up. 
and it was the first time attempting it. Right. I'm sure if they have to do it again next year, they'll change things to make it more accessible, either, you know, book a time or whatever they come up with to make the traffic issue and the, the number of people going uh, through the parade. Yeah. They'll accommodate, but... Eh, you can't get mad at the Santa Claus Parade people in London. They were just trying to do something nice. They made an effort. Uh-huh. But if you've ever been part of a parade before, they should have known this was doomed to fail because it's so hard to even get like 30 parade floats in order to drive around the town. Like get everybody. Like, it was bound to be a, a, a bit of a cluster. Jam. Yeah. It's just it's hard to organize that much moving traffic. Early bird gets the worm. Yeah, some were entertained. Some had a great reverse float. You should have you should have lined up at 9 a.m. with the kids. <laughs> First in line. They got through. Yep. This is going <laughs> to happen with all the mall Santas too, so get ready to I don't wait. Know if there get are ready any. to turn around. I was in I was in a mall the other day and there was no sign of any Santa's house. Nothing. Hmm. So I don't know how many mall Santas are going to be out there this year, Jim. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> they can do a reverse thing with the mall Santas. <laughs> Wait, so so all the kids sit down. <laughs> all the kids get to dress as Santa and sit in the chair for four hours. And an old the mall. man comes by, <laughs> all of them. Yeah, and then old men line up to sit on their laps. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. Jim just told us about a, a phrase, hat fishing. Not cat fishing, hat fishing. It's when bald guys in their dating profiles wear hats to trick potential mates into thinking that there might be some hair under there. <laughs> and uh, we got a call about that. Go ahead. You're on with Taz and Jim. So I was just listening to you about your uh, bald guy in the dating website stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Hat fishing. Years ago, I got thrusted onto the dating world unexpectedly. So I was going through these websites before I made my profile. And some women would actually put on there, bald men need not apply or must have a full head of hair. Things like that. And I didn't care that I was bald. You know, I, I, my headline after I saw that was, I got more to offer than I had a hair. So I did all right. But what's <laughs> the difference between that, a guy wearing a hat, and a woman just showing her face when she's not showing the rest of her, and then you go and meet in person, and there's a whole other person there than you thought there was. <laughs> there's no difference. That's more dishonest than wearing a hat. Can you imagine if you posted something about women uh, with a certain body type need not apply? They wouldn't have posted that profile. If I said no... Yeah, we know. We get it. They would have, have said, you can't do that. Yeah, I've like, heard from short guys, too. Women will, say, to women will say you have to be a certain height. They'll yeah. say, if, you, if you're under six feet, then don't bother... Yeah, everybody's got their preferences, but you don't have to be rude about it. Yeah, don't say it out loud. Just <laughs> don't I, respond I to the bald guys if you if you don't want uh, a bald guy. Yeah, you know, but just be honest. If everybody's honest, who cares? If you don't like them, hey, if I was everybody's cup of tea, I'd be married to, to Angelina Jolie, but I'm not. <laughs> How did things work out on the dating sites? Did you find someone? No. No, I ended up meeting my, my current partner through Facebook. Oh, nice. And she's okay with your bald head. I had a lot of of hit and miss on that stuff. (laughs) Well, it's it's a cruel world for a a 50s bald guy right now, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's tough. We've got got tough lives. We're so. It didn't matter to me if I wasn't for them. 
but I actually saw one woman at one time that was looking specifically for a bald guy. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, everything else went south shortly after that. Yeah, the bald fetish community. That's, <laughs> that's where we'll clean up here. That's where we got to go. <laughs> Yeah, yesterday, super windy. Wind was gusting, causing some big power outages across the Taz and Jim listening area. So if you're waking up this morning and the lights won't come on, that's probably what you're dealing with. Now, earlier, we were talking about the power goes off, your alarm clock is out, and Jim's like, well, you could just use your phone as a backup. I guess you could, but I'm a traditionalist. I've got the same clock radio, Jim, that I've had probably... Since the mid nineties, next to my bed, that's less weird than you buying a new clock radio. I guess <laughs> clock radio is great. I, I love the clock radio. I guess so. I just I do, I haven't had an alarm other than my phone for fifteen years. Yeah, and it shows you're constantly late for work. <laughs> I was late once this year, but I have this been late year, many times. Right, we worked from home for half of it. So, <laughs> but I love my clock radio, and we were talking about that earlier. Uh, we got a, a message from one of our listeners who loves their clock radio too, Jim. Yeah, and this is a beyond a clock radio. Heather sent us in uh, a clock radio slash corded phone that's 35 to 40 years old. Next to her bed. Next to her bed. It's, it's like that white color that's now yellow, kind of, brown. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was white originally, but it's got a nice patina to it now. <laughs> Maybe it's from cigarette smoke. Maybe it just ages that way. I do not know. I think the white stuff does kind of... It just turns? It turns, yeah. It goes bad. It's like milk. Yeah. You know, you leave it out too long, it's it's no longer white. It's, <laughs> Off-white. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, a yellowish cream color. Yeah. Well, we're not the only ones hanging on to old appliances and electronics tasks. I posted that picture and said, what is the oldest electronics slash appliance appliance you still have at home that you use on a regular basis. Me personally, I have an old Dirt Devil vacuum mm-hmm. with the bag from 19... I looked it up. It's from 1997, 1998. And I still use it on the carpet for the dog hair. Works yeah. amazing. Oh, I bet. And that was yours. You had that before Sarah moved in with the dog? I had it. It was my old roommate Robin's. It was his parents before him. He moved to Toronto, and I kept... So it's been working down the line here. Wow. Does he know you have it? Did he forget it at, your, no. at the place? He, he, he gifted it to he you? He gifted it. He moved into somebody with a central vac. He moved in with his girlfriend. She had a central vac. Oh, la-di-da. He's going to regret that one. <laughs> they already broke up, so I still have the vacuum cleaner. He's single. Who won this one? <laughs> um, we got some good ones, though. I still have a 14-inch Sony Trinitron TV that was purchased in 1974 for $400. I keep it attached to my 1981 Commodore VIC-20. I still play the old 8-bit video games for fun. Okay. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Sarah says, I have a crock pot that was my mom's, and before that belonged to Granny. It's definitely close to 40 years old, and now I just have a power bar that has an app on it, so I don't need an automatic timer. There's no need to replace it. And that thing's probably seasoned nicely. You know, It's got the flavors. Yeah, all the flavor is soaked into the crock pot. You don't <laughs> even have to add salt or pepper. <laughs> it's permanent. Put the meat in there and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, Denise says, goes to show things were made to last back in the day. My parents have their original fridge given to them as a wedding gift 46 years ago. Wow. I have a friend who still uses their 8-track and their player as well. 
I had, remember the old fridge I had in the basement of my old house? Had like one of those metal handles, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the big lever to open it up. It was, it had to be from like the 50s or 60s. Aerodynamic, looks like a classic car. Yeah, and I converted it so you could put a beer keg in there. I left it at my old house. I regret it. I should have mm-hmm. brought it with me, but it was so darn heavy. Yeah, and probably just sucks back the juice. <laughs> It is not an Energy Star appliance (laughs) (laughs) by any means. What else you got there? This is a very common one I think people see a lot around, you know, Thanksgiving. The electric knife. (laughs) The carving knife, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my grandma had one. I don't know where it is, but she had one, rest her soul. She had the same one from the 70s that had like a wood grain handle on it. Yeah. That had like... It was like grippy. It like was bumpy when you touched it. Um, <laughs> That's the uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie Maximum Overdrive, the Stephen King movie, about all the machines come alive and start attacking humans. Sure, like the vending machine that shoots pops at people. Yeah, and the woman gets attacked by the uh, <laughs> the electric carving knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like how can you not get away from that? The cord is only so long. <laughs> Uh, Linda says, my parents have a brawn mixer from 1978. It's a blender, and it's still used in my kitchen every day. And uh, Chris Carter says, my grandparents still have their vacuum cleaner. They call it the pig or the hog. Things from the freaking 70s and still works and has a ton of power. Strong. Things sucked a lot harder back in the 70s, (laughs) didn't they? Yeah. A quarter would shoot up there, and you felt like you were killing something. (laughs) Jim, you are... (laughs) You, you've been chuckling all morning about Tiger Woods' performance. He had the worst hole I think I've ever seen Tiger Woods play in his career on the weekend. Yeah, he was doing well before the weekend kind of started moving. He was in the top 10 uh, early. Uh, he was minus 5 at one point. People thinking he might have a chance to win it. And then uh, six holes left to go in the tourney. He hits a... 10 shotter on a par three. So it took him 10 shots to make what, uh, what normally would be three shots. I would say that's like our score, but I think we stopped counting after eight. They don't have that rule? I stop after six. Double par, I'm out. Uh, Tiger Woods, I, I guess in no. the Masters, they don't allow that. Yeah, yeah. He's going full tin cup. Give me another ball. I mean, I have a few of the calls here. It wasn't broadcasted as thoroughly as I would have liked. I have a couple calls, but his first shot, this is the call. Or mind you, just at three under, he'd probably like to make a one. Oh, boy. So that one's in the water. He has to cross some water. By the way, he's talking about getting a hole in one. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, he got a one. It just had a zero next to it. <laughs> so then he did that again. He shot another one that landed right beside the hole but had well, too he, much backspin. He fully did the tin cup thing. I'm going to take another shot off the tee. Yeah. I oh, guess yeah. he had to, yeah. And then he and then he, he hit another shot. It looked like a beauty. Landed two feet away from the hole. Too much backspin. Right into the water. And uh, you know, then on the fifth shot, he's in the sand. He's finally crossed the water. He's got one knee in the sand, one leg stretched out to the side. I've never seen a setup like this before. Boy. Well, Nick's fifth shot went straight over the green. It's a six. Oh my goodness, after last, what is this? So he shot it from the sand over the green back into the water. Scalded. Yeah. And then eventually he, uh, he, you know, putted it onto the green, 
put it six inches away from the hole, put it in the hole for 10 strokes. And then when he was leaving the green, he like picked up a, a leaf and, and flicked it off. Like it was part of the reason why he got 10 strokes. <laughs> he like moved it away. So nobody else had to deal with that little leaf. Thanks, Tiger. <laughs> you get that leaf out of the way. <laughs> Cost me the Masters, that leaf. Good on him, though, because after that, he had, I think, six or so holes left, and he got five birdies and one par. So it's not like he lost his composure. He got ten, which is terrible, obviously, and ruined yeah. his, his whole round. Like ten's not good but then you're he, a professional golfer. But then he still put his head down, and he still tried his best, and uh-huh. he got, uh, you know, he finished the round in fun well, he form. He is Tiger Woods, and let's just consider this was his first ever ten. As a professional golfer, it took him 23,789 holes on the PGA Tour before he shot a 10. Hmm. Took me one. (laughs) You're not on the PGA Tour. Still. Well, he has excuses for it. This is why he feels like he didn't uh, do so well in that hole. Well, I committed to the wrong wind. I also got ahead of it and and pushed it, too, because I I thought the wind was more off the right, and it was off the left, and... uh, that just started the problems from there. He committed harder to that win than he did to his wed- uh, his marriage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, he almost uh, had as many strokes on that hole as he had mistresses. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave from Simcoe thinks he knows why. My theory about Tiger Woods, he got paid to throw the game. You think it was rigged? Yep. How much it- would they pay him to throw the game, do you think? Oh, I would say a couple mil. But he just won it last year. Do you think he's going to go ahead? And he's got more money. The amount of money they'd have to pay Tiger Woods to throw the Masters would be astronomical. Well, no, he won seven times, okay? How can you golf that bad? Uh, I I could show you how you could golf that bad. Tiger Woods is worth $800 million, approximately. He's almost a billionaire, and you think that someone would be able to pay him enough money that he would jeopardize his legacy and and throw the Masters. Well, he screwed his own legacy, really, uh, a few years ago. (laughs) He screwed more than his legacy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Okay, well, that's an interesting interesting theory. I'm going to have to disagree with you wholeheartedly. I don't know. Something exchanged hands because I think Tiger Woods is too good to golf that bad on one hole. Man, was it windy yesterday. Uh, We're getting messages here from listeners talking about the stuff they're seeing in their yards because of the wind. Here's one, Taz and Jim. I like going all out for Christmas. (laughs) We spent all Saturday setting up Christmas decorations on our lawn. This morning, I'm walking around the neighborhood trying to find them all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would suck. Yeah, that's brutal. But it would be cool if you were a kid and you looked out your window and there's Santa and his reindeer <laughs> flying by. <laughs> At least they smash into a tree right in front of your window. No, Santa! <laughs> it's too early for you to be flying. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you're getting some uh, pictures sent your way. What are you seeing? Oh, boy. This is a photo from Mount Forest, Ontario. It's a snowmobile trailer that has flipped Dozens of times, I'm assuming, from its position in a farmer's field. It's in the middle of a field on its top, uh, just destroyed. Uh, Getting some messages here from people who live near Lake Erie as well. I live by Long Point, and they say it was the worst windstorm in Lake Erie history. 27-foot waves, 
Total flooding in Turkey Point slash Long Point slash Port Dover. We've been out of hydro since yesterday at 12 p.m. and not expected to be restored until afternoon today. It's wild. Yeah. Hamilton, the wind was brutal. We're hearing that there's power outages still in Hamilton. Uh, Godridge Bayfield, power outages there. So you're not the only one if you're in the dark this morning. The, the wind was brutal. Tree branches down, <laughs> garbage bins. It's, it's tough because I was driving in and I saw some bins and garbage bags in the middle of the road and I want to stop and get out and move them. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get hit by a car. <laughs> right? Or more roaming garbage <laughs> yeah. bins. I go to pick up a garbage bag and here comes the recycling bin. <laughs> Boom, right in the side of the head. Here comes Santa and his reindeer. Oh, no. Boom. (laughs) Thank you very much for checking out the Taz and Jim podcast. If you want to listen to us the old-fashioned way, live on the radio, you can do that on FM 96 in London or Y108 in Hamilton weekday mornings from 5.30 until 9.30. Or subscribe, keep downloading the podcasts, and we'll keep talking.